1: Hey there, this is Kyle Abair, the voice of Ryu from Street Fighter V. Rise up. The answer lies in the heart of battle. You're listening to ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Haroken! It's time. Y'all from, and luckily there's a show Called Talk Time, we've been waiting for this For a long time, Jax kicks the facts On all the geek news, special guests And unbiased reviews, suburban Kids the hipster street dudes All can learn something new, me too I heard words when no faith is empty I stayed the course so my haters Tempt me, beep the podcast, that'll make make Them envy, it ain't too trendy It's ACMG, anime, comics Movies and games, that so come on and let's get it Talk Time, anime, comics Movies and games, to so come on and let's get it Talk time live. Anime comics, movies and games the come on And let's get it Talk time live. Anime comics, movies and games the come on And let's get it Talk time live.
0: Gentlemen, welcome back. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live, the Prime Show. I am your host, Xavier Josiah. Folks, if you realize this is on a Monday or even on a Tuesday if you're listening to it, that's because things happen. And things happen for a reason. As you know, Skype is not the most dependable uh, program in the world. And, you know, when I have guests on, anything can happen. But for the most part, to their credit, I usually have a good average, you know, quality average with them. So, no power to it. But, We're doing this over again so we can get it done, and we definitely don't want to miss out on talking about one of the most fun movies to see this summer, and that is Spider-Man Far From Home. And who better to talk about this than my, my good man of all of the Marvel movies, Mighty Joe Rinaldi, is back on the show. What's going on, man?
2: I'm doing good. How you doing, Dax?
0: Not too bad, not too bad. Now, you recovered since yesterday. (laughs) <laughs> yes. <yeah. laughs> and we got a chance to do this, but nonetheless, you were waiting to watch the game, which was the finals of the Cup. Yeah. You got to see it today. How was it? How how was, your, uh, was it with uh, you and your family?
2: It was great. It's It's awesome to watch, you know, something like that that, you know, millions of people around the world are watching at the same time. And for me, it's nice to have, you know, an occasion to feel very patriotic when I don't feel like I have... know a ton of those opportunities lately so only only
0: that in the uh in the in the eagles
2: (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) which only
0: like went on for like at least a week yeah before before, uh el capitan actually started acting like a fool again yeah (laughs) (laughs) so you know uh no that's awesome that is absolutely awesome and you know what it's probably better because i actually got more information Cool. In regards to Spider-Man: Far From Home, some questions that we were wondering about, we got the answers for them. So we'll be talking about all that and more. But before oh. I do that, I got some huge announcements to uh, talk about. And I, if you're on Instagram right now, it's a sponsor post going on right now. And you know that some of you may know, some listeners, some new people may know. The ACMG Facebook uh, group knows. Shout out to them and people on my page as well. The biggest honor that I could ever have since I was nominated for the 2016 Philly Geek Award. This is probably, I hate to say this, might actually top it. Mm. (laughs) Uh, Last year, as you know, uh, we talked about this. Last year, I actually had a chance to work with ReadPop. And ReadPop, in fact, is like the, it's one of the largest comic book convention companies out there like they not only do new york comic con which is like one of the biggest cons out there they also work on uh you know around the world and different cons and packs and all this stuff i mean they they're a force mm. i would love to see their portfolio mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, like honestly like it's it's they're they running a uh engine right now uh and it does there's no signs of stopping anytime soon especially with uh new york comic con it's like the, a dead second to San Diego Comic Con right now, and yeah. it, it, it seems like every year it grows even more and more. And th- last year they started a new con in Philadelphia called Keystone Comic Con. It was their uh, freshman year, and they had a great time. I actually had a chance to work with them uh, because of you know my alliances with certain guests that's been on the show and friends that's been on the show. Uh, You know, Megaran and uh, Molly Flanagan, who is the voice of Don Reto. And uh, I believe a few others, too, that I might have actually put an ear into them uh, Mm. coming in. And lo and behold, we had a great time. It worked out great. I actually got a chance to uh, I think this is a great bonus for me. I actually got a chance to interview my bucket list actor. Mm. And that is Kevin Conroy. You know, the voice of Batman animated series. Have you ever watched the show?
2: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah
0: like that that dude's voice is yeah. iconic yeah
2: iconic <laughs> I don't sure. think
0: he's ever done anything any other voice other than Batman oh really yeah like i i i know he's show- he when he does appearances on t v or movies it's as himself because people know who he is yep like he's i don't think i really seriously don't think he's ever done anything i I'd be surprised if i've seen him in or in another, you know, project or whatever. But, yeah, he uh, – it was Batman Day, in fact, and we got a chance – I got a chance to be a part of a press interview with him. And it was an awesome experience. And they did a great job, you know, because mm. Wizard World is down here too. And a lot of fans in Philly aren't feeling, you know, Wizard World lately because of the quality – the lack of quality there is okay. that they were having. And I think this was – you know, Reed Pop's way of, you know, getting in, going into City Hall, saying like, look, this is what we've done for other cities. This is what we've done for countries like India or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, because they go around the world. And like, we could do something here for Philly. You know, we could bring more money in or something like that. And they got a five year contract, I believe, if I remember correctly, from what, you know, Brian Stephenson said, who was on the show last year. Okay. Um, Brian Stephenson's are like he's the brand marketing, you know, uh, executive director of last year. And now somebody else is taking over the helm, which I believe I should be having her pretty soon on this show. But they're coming back this year. And lo and behold, I was given the honor and asked to host the uh, a panel this year. And not only just any panel. Like, for gamers, this is awesome because this is based on Overwatch. And Wow. Yeah. and I, You got kids. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Do I need to say yeah. any more? <laughs> I'm no, pretty sure awesome. if you got kids, you got an Xbox or a PlayStation. Nine chances out of ten, Overwatch is in here.
2: <laughs> yeah, totally.
0: And the crazy part about it, you want to hear an actual crazy story about this? Because this is actually still parallel to how I met uh, Molly Flanagan. Um, I went to Disney World and Epcot Center one year, and my, me, um, me, and S, um, my wife Esther, who hmm. actually we, you know, she was running on the Disney marath- the Disney run, you oh, okay. marathon over there. Uh, which, I, for any runner, I highly recommend. It's awesome. Even even if you're a spectator who gets dragged into it, it's an awesome experience for everybody. Um, but I went into Epcot's Japan store, and they have a lot of different, like, you know, anime, fanfare, otaku-like items. Mm-hmm. I got a mystery box that just happened to have Naruto figures in there, and mm-hmm. you don't know what you're getting out of it. So when I picked it up, opened it, I got Naruto. Mm-hmm. Not knowing years later that I would be good friends with this woman. <laughs>
3: <laughs> who ends up doing
0: the voice of the iconic character and you know you know and a client of mine as well yep last year our first year of uh san diego um, uh, i'm sorry of keystone comic con i you know i got you know you get a lot of swag whatever like i needed a new book bag yeah decided to get this particular book bag i was like i just wanted to get one that just looked good i didn't think anything of it not realizing that this was a overwatch book
2: bag hmm
0: And lo and behold, I get this opportunity to be the host of the panel for this now. (laughs) Very cool. That's very weird, to be honest. It's like (laughs) some type of a homing or something. Not only that, but not only will I be a host of this panel, but I will also have some great guests with me. Three of the voices of Overwatch. That being, that would be like Fred Tattashore. If you don't recognize that name, you recognize the characters that he played. In particular, one, he's the voice of the Incredible Hulk. He's Mm -hmm. from on the game. He's the voice of Soldier 76. So I've you know, when I went to San Diego, I had a chance to uh, check out the Marvel panel for the animated panel. He's been on there twice. He's awesome. I You know, the fact that I'm even getting a chance to, you know, be a part of that involving him is absolutely fantastic. Jennifer Hale, who also plays Ash in the game, but also plays in one of my best games of the year this year and that's mortal Kombat. she's chronica which is like the main character in that game Mm -hmm. so i get that tie in and then it's like everybody's favorite actress who plays one of the like most fanfare and beloved characters diva and that is charlotte chung on here so i got three guests this time i gotta i gotta juggle three different guests and this is like one guest more than i have to juggle when it comes to interviewing uh guests but it's gonna be awesome i can't wait i actually upon pun yesterday you know when we did this before yesterday um I actually got all my questions done, so I'm ready oh, for right. that. <laughs> I'm the ready type to I, yeah, I'm the type that gets my homework done. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I really hate waiting to the last minute to get stuff done. I, I've done that in high school. It doesn't work. I'm telling every kid now, if you're listening, <laughs> that never works. <laughs> So I got all my questions done for that panel down the line, so I have nothing to worry about. I just gotta show up, do my thing, you know, and just have a great time for there I also that's not all I also have I also been granted a second panel so talk time live will be hosting two different panels at this event. The second one will be based on my all-time favorite fighting game and that is Street Fighter and not just the game but the art of Street Fighter and you mm. know again a game that you're I'm sure you're familiar with yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, little no. Um, I got a lot of connections to that game because one, I know the two main voices of that game, Cal uh, mm. Heyburn and uh, Ruben Langdon, who I've had on the show like I think between the two, both three times each, and they're awesome. And then you know, to you know, have ties with this game. It's it's a it's near and dear to me for a lot of reasons. I grew up with this game. Uh, I grew up with the series with the with the franchise, and now I get to host a panel about that with two of the one of the best udon artists available right now, and that is Long Bo, who I actually got a chance to meet at San Diego Comic Con uh, like a couple years ago, hmm. and he actually did a, a commission for me on this really thirty pound book that shows the art of capcom on air so his stuff is in there and everything and i got a chance to meet with him as well and then uh a guy named a artist named jeffrey cruz who many people know him as chamba these guys are extraordinary like you know when it comes to capcom you know art and illustration they almost i feel like they go through the code of Disney cuz you know Disney has their set requirements of how they want their characters to look and such. Yeah. I feel like that Udon Entertainment and Capcom works together to make sure that that traditional system stays there and they do these guys do a phenomenal job. I mean, absolutely eye-catching as all hell. So, mm. I will be there on in August, which is August 23rd, 24th, 25th. The Overwatch panel will be August 25th at 1 to 2 p.m so if you guys are overwatch fans absolutely come by check it out it's going to be a lot of fun uh hell there may be some giveaways and stuff you know as i'm going through the con too so I'm, i got a lot planned for that that's as awesome well. so I, not only that uh for those who are listening now and especially for those in the acmg facebook group uh stay tuned because there will be a way this is not the only announcement i had there will be a way that you can get a chance to come to to keystone comic-con so that's being in the works as well so stay tuned for that that news is going to be coming soon uh with further details so now that i got that great news out of the way <laughs> yeah. we got some other great matters to talk about this episode will not con- include any other segment but the, this is a to- talk topic only segment we're only going to be covering spider-man far from home and our review of it only because this you know due to the holiday last week there's really nothing else to talk about really nothing worthy worth talking about really mm-hmm. That so I mean we might as well just get down to it. I'm think we could fill up enough time to talk about that.
2: So yeah, absolutely.
0: Let's get to it, man. Uh This is the final Marvel movie of the year, as far as especially as far as we know until 2020 mm-hmm. or 2021. And after Endgame, how do you do you think they were still going to be able to entertain us after all that? Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Dare I say hell yeah? Yeah. So with that said, I'll let you start off. What did you think overall of Spider Man Far From Home?
2: I mean, I really loved it. I, I thought that, like, you know, going into it, I was a little apprehensive about what to expect. It's the first, you know, release after Endgame, and right. Endgame is so, like, heavy and, and yeah, exactly. you know, profound in all those ways. So I, I didn't know exactly what to expect, but um, it went with the family and, and everybody, from my 8-year-old my all the way up to, to me and, and my wife, who's not quite as, like, a... Uh, you know, Die Hard as the rest of us, we all loved it. I mean, right. it really like paid off as a summer, you know, blockbuster in in every kind of category. Right. Um, so I, I yeah, I was super pleased. I thought they did a great job, and you know, it's definitely you know one of my favorites, um, in terms of Marvel movies in general.
0: Yeah, I can tell you this. I will tell you this before I even say what I thought about this. Can Marvel? And again, I said this. I said this last time. I'm say it again. If anybody here is listening or know anybody in Marvel Studios, Disney, whatever, can y'all not ever, ever put out a movie on a 4th of July weekend? Or let alone if it falls on a weekday, because that is damaging.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Maybe not
0: for box office, but from, from like people who work in the movie theaters who got to do that day, and then they, you got people who call out. We, yeah. we end up going to a movie tavern which we want that whole entire experience, the restaurant experience and the, you know, chill and the recliner Mm -hmm. seats and everything. We got two out of three of that. We got the movie.
2: Yeah.
0: We got the the recliner chairs. They were so backed up. We couldn't get our food.
2: No, that sucks.
0: It really did. And I don't blame the staff because I know from my experience of working, you know, at a movie theater before, like, during this time of the year, people are going they're not expecting to have blockbuster movies on the 4th of July. Last time that happened was Independence Day. Yeah, yeah. And there was no such thing as a movie tavern.
2: <laughs> there. Yeah.
0: So I know people probably called on vacation for the holiday and all the stuff. And yeah. that left a lot of people hanging. I feel bad for the, a lot of the staff there because they didn't get tipped yeah. because of everything. So, I mean, it, it was really a bad situation. But had it been on the weekend, I think it would have been much, much better mm-hmm. in that case. But with that said, I absolutely enjoyed the film. I thought the film was a lot of fun. And, you know, once again you know, gave me that aura and feel of the Ultimate Spider-Man series, the comic book series by Mark Bagley and Brian uh, Michael Bendis. Mm -hmm. And, God, if you have not read that book, it is a awesome, awesome book from the Ultimate Comic Book series. And I, you know, I know they merged and everything, but I still wish that they would have, you know, kept that on the side and kept developing. But they got a lot of issues out of that series before they end up merging uh, universes together and bringing Miles and everything to it. But, for what it is, I love that they took the nature of that comic book and brought it to life, obviously brought it to life on a lot of, a lot of purposes here. But, you know, again, it was, I, from start to finish, I loved it. And, you know, to quote somebody that I, I talked to when, you know, talking about Marvel movies mm-hmm. and, or just any movies in general, like when you go into a Marvel movie, you come in like you're going into a roller coaster ride. Yeah, you, you feel all sorts of emotions going up that hill and getting ready to go down that hill for something really climatic and epic, and impactful. And then when it's all done, you come out full of energy, happiness, or whatever. But you're coming sat- out satisfied. That was yeah. a hell of a ride that you went through, and that's how Marvel movies always are. This was no different. Yeah, absolutely love this. So, uh, I mean, let's talk about standout performances here. I mean, it, it, in my in my mind, honestly, truthfully the entire cast of this movie did outstanding. I mean, they were, like, whether they had a small part or an even bigger role, they yep. all did fantastic. But if I had to choose, I got, like, five of them. But I want to hear from you first and as to which you uh, thought was one of the best performances out there or one is that stood out to you.
2: Sure, sure. I, I thought that, uh, I mean, the first one that comes to mind is is Jake Gyllenhaal. I think that, um, you know, the way that that he kind of – Approached the character of Mysterio was was, you know, really incredible, and a lot of the movie's success kind of hinged on that. You know, the fact that he was able to kind of embody this, you know, heroic persona in the beginning of the movie, right. and and really kind of like play on uh, Peter's um, you know heartstrings when when it comes to like Tony Stark, and yeah. kind of kind of prey on that a little bit, and then in, in the second half of the movie, once the the big reveal happens. Um, you know, he's very clearly, you know, a very different guy than he was presenting in the beginning of the movie. You know, he's very kind of, uh, there's a, there's a paranoia and an opportunism that, that is kind of manifest there. So I thought like he, he wound up playing, you know, kind of two parts, um, in this and, and the movie's better for it. You know, like it really, the, the, the antagonist in this, um, is, is, one of the one of the the stronger in in all the Marvel movies, I think. So I think I think yeah, Jake Gyllenhaal to me was was easily the first one that really pops for me for for you know the standout performance.
0: Which is a great thing, like you said, because I mean, in order for the you know all the old saying, in order for a protagonist to be really great as what they are, mm-hmm. you have to be countered or you know opposite the an even better antagonist. Yeah. If you will, like if your antagonist if your villain isn't even over you know overcoming the odds badass then it's not even like fulfilling because you want to see if this person can climb up that mountain can break that glass ceiling if you will yeah and i thought that they did very well making him not overly powered but just enough to you know once enough to have peter figure out how to really get at him yeah and this was I, i i can't agree with you more who else do you got
2: uh, you know, the other thing I, I was thinking was the just generally the ensemble of the the, the high school class and and the two chaperones. Um, <laughs> you know, just the whole narrative of their school trip and the backdrop of all of that. You know, I yeah. think that there's there's a lot of chemistry among those actors that, that makes their relationships really believable and, yeah. and really fun. It's James' move was
0: it was excellent.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, he was hilarious. I mean, just like him. You know, always freaking out about witches at every moment. Like I don't know <laughs> what made him decide to, to go in that direction with right. his part, but like, just uh, it was hilarious that he kept coming back to that and beating that drum. Um, but yeah, I think like you know the the, and it's interesting. Like I hadn't thought of it until you just said that about the the villains being an important part or important you know element in the recipe. Yeah. Um, I think that that one of the things that I've always appreciated about Spider-Man comics is how strong the villains are, how His cool role gallery the, is the, the best out there. Gallery, right? Yeah. And it's like, like Batman, like those are the two, you know, heroes that have the coolest villains. And I think mm-hmm. they're, they're certainly better off for it. Um, I think the other thing that makes a Spider-Man story, a Spider-Man story is that the, the personal stakes are as high as the superheroic stakes, yeah. you know, like Peter Parker grappling with, you know, teenage problems is as important as, Spider-Man, you know, defeating the villain. So I think the 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 role that all those other characters play as his, you know, classmates and friends and teachers and all that. Yeah. Um. You know, it it made sure that the focus of the movie was balanced between the the fight against Mysterio and then also, you know, the 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 stakes were just as high that Peter wanted to like, you know, tell MJ how he felt and and you know the you felt a real tension that he wasn't going to be able to follow through on that. So I think you know they they've consistently done a great job in in both of the the you know last two movies in this series with that really strong um, supporting cast in the the high school crew and i thought this was another great example
0: yeah absolutely not to mention uh, let's real quick to focus on that class the yep. demographics of that class the generational demographics of that class is the millennials yeah so you have you know these are these this movie is clearly catered very well and, and and designed very well for this generation because the mj that we know the flash thompson that we know would not be that flash Thompson. like i don't think they would be able to get away with those particular characters even even uh i may you wouldn't be able to get away with those characters in 63 or yeah. 1980 or even 90 or 2000 because especially in 2000 when we had rammy for the first time do it because it needed i think what rammy did back then it was needed we needed to see a direct-to-source or close-to-source version of Spider-Man before we could branch out into these other ones. Yeah. So, you know, that version matched the six, the Earth-616 version, while this one is more closer to the Ultimate, and which the Ultimate was geared for a new age of you know fans. Yes, a- yes. And they did the same format here, and I love that. I don't know if Kevin Feige did, did that by design or whatever, but they did an absolutely awesome job with it. Yeah, I agree. I absolutely agree so with me i gotta i gotta say definitely tom holland i can't i I can't go through it's like it's a given but you can't for you can't take away or even not acknowledge how important it is for him to stick out of all of his great talent in this movie and still be center of attention and it was hard because he had a lot of great cast members in this movie yeah in their own respect right and for him, for him, once again, Tom Holland dominated the, as the ultimate Spider-Man and Peter Parker to me. Yep. Um, I, out of all the Peters that we had, you know, and I love Toby. I I just, you know, it's funny. I just saw um, The Amazing Spider-Man 2 yesterday or, okay. a, or a clip of it because after watching uh, Homecoming and Far From Home and then the original Spider-Mans, I couldn't deal with um, Andrew Garfield's Peter Parker. <laughs> <laughs> He's way too damn cool to be a, an emo to be Peter Parker. I, yeah. I, it's just, it bothered the hell out of me with that. And I had tolerated that movie before until Tom Holland came. I'm like, no. <laughs> yeah, But, you know, I love the fact that no matter who he is on camera with, whether it's Robert Downey Jr., or Chris Helmsworth, or, you know, uh, you know, Cumberbatch, it, it doesn't matter. He seems to captivate you with Every form of fashion, every fiber of his being, and the most genuine and welcoming personality that everybody can relate to—that is Peter. I'm sorry, That is Peter, Par- Pe- sorry, that is Peter <laughs> Parker in a nutshell, right there. Yep. Uh, I mean, a lot of credit to Tom. He really embedded. In, in, in he assimilated into that role so well. Yep. I, I think even outside, because we talked about this yesterday too, with him doing, you know, you know, visits to the children's hospital and like make a wish and stuff like that. Yeah. As the character, as him, he really understands his responsibility. I need more kid, uh, young kids like him.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. I think he understands the importance of this like idea of Spider-Man and yeah. has really like embraced all of it. Yeah, he, he's certainly my favorite of the the three kind of cinematic Peter Parker Spider Mans yeah. as well, for Absolutely. sure.
0: Absolutely. So uh, I got to give credit and shout out to Zendaya as well. Like I told you before, like I have not really been a fan of her prior to this movie i'd known uh, well enough about her because you know of her being with beyonce or her being on her own disney show and i caught that show like once or twice most likely because kadeem Hardison was in there from a different world yep <laughs> in there so i was like all right i love that character so let me see what's going on I realized that she has some depth in her in her acting ability yeah and this one she she did it again i mean her playing as mj despite the fact that like the very nature of her it's far contrast from many Spider-Man readers know about her, especially from the '90s. You know, during the Todd McFarlane Eric Larson era yeah. of comic books, she played totally different version of Mary Jane. Uh, although, you know, she manages to be very likable. You know, with her introvert, you know, personality, and you know, both casual and hardcore fans that seem to enjoy her.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think it's she's she's like, you know, she delivers in this movie. I think that's it would be pretty unsuccessful if, you know, you couldn't understand, you know, just how much Peter prioritizes her. And I think, you know, she does a great job. She's she's really like takes an interesting angle with the character that that still makes her, you know, a very logical, you know, priority for for Peter throughout the whole movie. I thought, I thought she was great.
0: Absolutely. By the way, I don't know if you saw it, but she actually paid homage to the original comic book MJ. She um, she took a she got it. She turned her hair red and straightened her hair to look like MJ.
2: You mean after the movie?
0: No, during like well after the movie, of course. But in in a promotion of gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. Yes,
2: I I think I saw like an Instagram of her on the red carpet with with like red hair.
0: Yeah, I was like, yeah, she kind of does now. She fits really the MJ (laughs) (laughs) prowess right there. Yeah. All right, Pete. (laughs) <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, you know, d- didn't you have Jacob uh, Batalan, who, by the way, plays Ned, a.k.a. every... Very similar to the version of Miles Morales' best friend, Genki Lee, in his... And I know Kevin Feige said it, it wasn't, and, and, you know, they all... John Watts said it, that he wasn't. I'm sorry. It, he looks... And sa- he looks. I want to say sound because I never heard the actual voice, but he looks and acts just like Genki. Yeah. Unfortunately, I just discovered some... Interesting news that I didn't put two and two together. I'm afraid for him now. Do you what? know what his you know what his last name is?
2: Who's and, last
0: name? On uh Ned's last name. Oh, no. On ID uh, on IDM uh IDMB. Uh-huh. They have him credited as Ned Leeds. Do you know who Ned Leeds is? No. The Hobgoblin.
2: Oh, get out. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that seems unlikely. But I wow. don't
0: that's gonna piss me off if they go that wow. direction. Huh. I don't know. Mate, look this could be their universe and it just so happens. But even even funnier, because we'll talk about this too, but with the uh the Betty and, and Ned situation, there is a a wink wink Easter egg to that now. Mm. So we'll talk about that later, but like
3: okay.
0: with that said, he manages to make himself more of a standout comic relief character in this uh it you know, he... Helps balance the uh out the character development in this thing. I he was phenomenal. He's not overly he's not overbearing, overbearing of a character. He's not under. He's just right. He's very subtle, and when he speaks, it means something, and his jokes mean something. Yeah, and I, I just absolutely love it. It's, you know, I've seen some you know side characters in a lot of these teen movies and stuff like that, but he's very cool. He's very cool in the sense that you know he's kind of a sophisticated. You know, kid. Yeah, <laughs> For his age. And as you saw, he he was wanted to shack up in Paris and all that yeah, out yeah. there. You know, it was it was it made for some great moments in there. Uh, like you said, Jake Gyllenhaal was a big fan of that. He played as great as a Quentin Beck as you could possibly have gotten. Like I don't know. Like even before that, I don't like. I don't can't. I can't picture who would be a good Mysterio because in some cases anybody can be Mysterio. Yeah, Agreed. but. He, to his credit, he nailed it. He, yeah. I like, I, of all the comics that I've ever read with Mysterio in there, whether it's like the Revenge of the Sinister Six or any of his like single, uh, you know, rivalries with Spider-Man or even from the, com- from the comic or the animated series of cartoons or whatever, it's, it, he, there, there's a certain formula to Quentin back out there. And Jake Gyllenhaal, I believe, matched it up quite fine in this yeah. movie you know yeah his, sw- great. yeah his swag charisma and that great voice he has a comic book voice yeah, <laughs> yeah. He, i mean just some people like when you have that type of vo- him michael keaton uh there's somebody else too um who just whose voice just really speakers out it's almost like you have a a, a sound bar without having a sound bar
3: yeah.
0: it is very manly and very masculine and it's like you know the, the type of heroic or villain villainly or villain like I would mm-hmm. say that you would that you're accustomed to if you're a comic book fan. Yep. but it wasn't as campy either. He manages to do all that and not be campy at the same time. So I thought he did a great job and probably one and like I, like you said he's up there with me. He's in my top five because he's I, I I haven't loved a character like this for Spider Man since Alfred Molina Mal- uh, played yeah. Doc Ock in Ramy Spider Man Two. Yep. who really matched up to the character of the comics.
2: Yeah, I agree. Agreed. I think he was, he's another, like, you know, benchmark great Spider Man villain and a really great performance. But I, I would, yeah, I would say that, you know, Gyllenhaal Hall is, is right up there.
0: Yeah, he's right. I mean, that's like Thanos is at the top. Like Kingpin, uh, from, from Daredevil and, and all those other, uh, and the Daredevil series and, uh, mm-hmm. Netflix was awesome. He's up there. He's in that level with me, you yeah. know? So, um, you got that. And then finally, like Samuel L. Jackson, for God's sake.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: It's just Sam L. Yeah. Like, it's Sam L. Like his presence is always known. Uh, you know, thanks and thanks to the great writing and character development, Nick Fury gelled really well with Spider Man in it. With, you know, especially with Tony being no longer around to be, you know, Peter's side. Yeah. You know, it was a wonder who was going to be the one to carry the weight in this. You know, yep. nobody, and, and, and even Cap is gone too. So, you know, it was really awesome to see him there. The man is not Sam Jackson for nothing, you know? Yeah. (laughs) Not only that, but if you guys have read, if you listeners out there have ever read the Ultimate Spider Man comics or even saw the Ultimate Spider Man animated series that came out, you guys know that eventually the Ultimate Spider Man version of Peter Parker ends up teaming up with S.H.I.E.L.D. or being like a S.H.I.E.L.D. reserve member and ends up doing, you know, doing things and working with S.H.I.E.L.D. and, and, and Nick Fury. So this was really. Again, another homage to the Ultimate series as well. Yep. So he, you know, he it they, they were it worked really great. And I got to give honorable mention, of course, Marissa Torme and John Favreau with their little uh, situation, yeah, <laughs> going on in the movie. Yeah, I love the stars. fact that I love the fact that John actually like uh, happy. You know, Tony dies. What does he do? He tries to shack up on a girl that he wanted.
3: <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> yeah
0: I, in some cases tony would have probably done it.
2: <laughs> But i love the whole like you know peter kind of becoming aware of the relationship and them kind of hiding it and like it was really well handled the whole time i thought that, that was hilarious oh the writing he, awesome. the peter happy relationship um has been a really interesting one to watch kind of evolve from the homecoming, homecoming to far yeah. from home yeah it's been really cool to watch absolutely he's
0: earned his he's earned his web
2: <laughs> yes,
0: yeah. Yeah. Um, Tony uh, Revoleroy uh, who played Flash Thompson, a different version of Flash, a millennial version of Flash Thompson, if you yep. will, uh, and Remy He, who kind of was more Flash, more Earth six one six Flash Thompson than than uh, Tony's right. Flash Thompson. To be honest, he was the he was uh, he played Brad Davis, who was the kid who was blipped and yep. brought back five years later. Oh no, yeah, was it that he was already grown five? No, he was. Was he? Remember, refresh me.
2: Did he get blipped? No. So what happened was the, the characters that got blipped were all the main characters Who from Spider-Man. the same age. Because they haven't aged. Yeah. So he, was, he remained behind. And it's, when they it, came back, he was five, five years. years older. Yeah.
0: And like taller and puberty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, he had that situation going on. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I thought, he did, I thought he did really well. I thought I never expected to have a side character. I got to look at the comic books to see if there's such thing as a Brad Davis yeah, I don't know. I got to look at uh, the internet. I never – don't want me to look at the internet to see if there's a Brad Davis and, you know, whether he's in the comic books in some form or fashion. So that would be interesting as well. Yeah. But, yeah, all of them are great characters. Uh, talk about your favorite moments. What, what stood out for you?
2: Uh, so I think the, the first one that came to mind is, again, kind of focusing on the the teenage ensemble cast and all those interesting relationships. The whole, like – sequence where they're flying over to Europe mm-hmm. and, you know, Peter's trying to change seats to sit next to MJ <laughs> and then winds up sitting next to the the teacher instead. And then, you know, Ned and Betty starting their relationship under, you know, weird circumstances. <laughs> like just all of that, I thought was like really, really that's well not done. A, that's
0: not an easy sequence to write by the way.
2: No, they accomplished a ton with, without a lot of time, you know, like right. that. I think that sequence probably only lasts a few minutes, but I right. think it did a lot to like, set up all the important relationships, really add a lot of context to things. And again, like I think once once they did that, I think it, it was it was reassuring that it was going to be kind of a fun, you know, Marvel movie. And it was going to have this kind of sense of humor and sensibility. So, um, yeah, for me, that was definitely, you know, one of the, the real standout scenes. How about you?
0: The comedy to me reminded me a lot like the like an updated this generation version of the Donner Superman films. I can see that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like you know the, the Clark yep. Kent scenes. Yeah. You know when he when he's like a bumbling idiot <laughs> the whole yeah. entire time, and there's a lot of comedy going to that. You know, it did kind of remind me of that case, but in it, it, their own flair of that. Me personally, like like you said, uh, let's go to the beginning, the high school memorial of Tony, yeah. uh, Tony, Steve, and uh, Natasha. That we sung using the uh, of all songs, Whitney Houston's version of "I Will Always Love You." Yeah, and I told you yesterday. I was. I told you yesterday. I was like, man, I swear to goodness. When I was in the theater, I swore if they would have shown Stanley and playing some damn Whitney Houston,
3: yeah, of yeah.
0: all songs, that song or yeah. her voice, I, the man up meter would have been blown up. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I'm sorry, man, it was hard enough that I, you know, in some of those scenes, like the, like the, uh, like we talked about last time in our in our last review of Endgame, yeah, the the battle scene when you know on your left. Yeah. How many men balled up on that one? I'm like, now y'all giving us, you know, (laughs) Whitney Houston and you're going to show Stanley and none of them are here? (laughs)
2: Yeah. Yeah. Jeez. Yeah.
0: Thank goodness they didn't do it. It was on those three. And it was like a, you know, a amateurist version, amateuristic version, you know, a high school, you know, editing version of it, which started out with Betty and the kid um, from the last, both of them from the last movie. Yeah. And for those who don't know or may have not realized that, uh, the guy that's in that video with Betty, he played on ready player one and he was on bumblebee, uh, you know, the bumblebee only uh, movie, which was said to be the best transformers movie of all time. Yeah, I agree. And <laughs> he, he played on both of those. He was also been there, but, and he played on battle angel Alita as well. So he's been around. He's getting around. I, mm-hmm. I think he's going to sneak, he's going to be Don Cheadle, his way into the, uh, Hollywood <laughs> in the next few years. Cause I'm seeing him a lot lately, but you know, we got to see that footage and followed by the explanation of how all how the school was affected by Thanos' snapped-ass uh, you know, habit in the endgame. And you yep. saw everybody, you know, wither away and disintegrate away and now what they call the blip.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: Wasn't it with, like, two Ps, by the way? It was very, like,
2: you know— I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I know no, he, that was, they, it was really, like, they they managed to, like, sum all that up super quickly and just kind of, like, you know— Address it and then put it away. It was like, really like a previously on. Too too yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah.
0: I did like great. that. Again, like happy um, rolling up on May throughout the whole entire movie. I love that. Yep. Um, the introduction of Mysterio and him telling everybody that he was from Earth 616 was phenomenal.
2: Yeah, that was awesome.
0: A big way. You know, for those who aren't comic book fans, like Earth 616 is known as the prime universe, the original universe that you know, from the 1963 X-Men, Spider-Man, Captain America all that stuff, before they changed everything up, so they just labeled it Earth 616 and there's like another one Earth 833, which is the UK uh, region, area uh, universe and everything, it's really cool Um, the scene also uh, where we have Mysterio or Quentin Beck get a hold of Edith which stands for, even in death, I am the hero, the glasses that Tony gave Peter Which, honestly, I know I probably won't look right in it. I just saw those today on the internet. I, I'm, I'm really eager to want <laughs> to. If they're at Keystone Comic Con, I hope they are because I, if they, I will try them out. But no, watch well, them try to charge <laughs> me like an arm and a leg for it, too? I'm like, no, there's no real operating system in this thing. You can't be charging me like 200 bucks for those damn glasses when it's I see them for 30 bucks online. Don't even yep. try it. Yep. <laughs> but, you know, I love the fact that he managed to sucker his way into those glasses yeah. And then the, the big monologue moment was awesome because they revealed this entire cast of people that helped him achieve this goal of getting these glasses and getting back at Tony for all that he's done to them yeah. and, and which resulted in, you know, Quentin telling the story of him being at MIT
2: <laughs> during
0: yeah. the Civil War during the uh, Civil War movie when uh, Tony was going through all types of mess with him and Pepper going through it, and he said that he called the the holographic uh program that he, that apparently Quentin Beck created and he called yep. it
2: Barf. Yeah. <laughs> I love I love the idea that like all of these people in his crew were like m- like extras or or like small characters um from the previous movies that had been you know bullied by the villains or by Tony. I thought including that was including like, the really... original
0: scientist from the original Iron Man for uh that was with Obadiah uh, Obadiah Stane. Yep. I thought yep, that I th- was absolutely absolutely freaking awesome and you did t- you did reveal who that guy was by the way
2: yeah if, if you're watching closely i i quizzed my kids afterwards to see if they had <laughs> spotted him but yeah if you watch closely that that car- he's played by uh peter billingsley who was ralphie in a uh, christmas story
0: that is so awesome
2: <laughs> yeah he's definitely like in like the the john favreau rolodex he was in um elf as well so he's like he oh, must wow. just be like Friends with Favreau going back and, you know, just finds his way into these parts. Well, you
0: know what? I wouldn't be surprised because when every director does a movie, they have their normal crew. I I realized that years ago, like when you start to see a particular director there, they Mm -hmm. have their set people that they always depend on to do to be a part of a movie. Depending on like they make sure it's I I don't I got uh, one of these days if I can ever get a director on a show, if I can ever interview a director, I got to ask that question because I noticed that anything with like Emma Stone. Or uh, what's the other guy from La La Land? Help me. Oh,
2: out. Um, oh, I'm blank on his name. Uh, I know exactly who yeah, you men mean. Ben always blank on his name. Yeah, <laughs> from ride right. Yeah. Um, I can't think. Of you know what
0: I'm talking about. You guys know. Yeah, who I'm Ryan talking about. Gosling. Yeah, Ryan Gosling. Ryan so God. you know, if there's a, you know, if you look at all the movies that Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone have ever been in, mm-hmm. nine chances out of ten, that it's been the same director. Oh yeah. So I mean it's 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 kind of on that deal. Same with uh, yeah. the Matrix recruiter Wachowski's and all that stuff. They you know they tend to utilize a lot of people that they worked on there because you know they form a guild with these guys. Yeah, apparently. So I mean I wouldn't be surprised if Favreau you know does that either. Yep. But you know I, then I also want to talk about like how Peter was going to design his new suit that we now see the black and red suit. Which by the way, if you guys own the Spider-Man video game. Uh, there's a new update. If you haven't played in a while, go back on it and, uh, update, get the free update that they, the DLC update, because now you'll have possession of the new suit from the movie along with the Noir tribute suit that he played, that all, that black suit.
2: Oh, very cool. Which is
0: like a homage to the Noir Spider-Man. Do you know about that one?
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's from, I know from the series and from, uh, across. Right. So
0: that was a little bit of a homage there, but both of those suits are now available for free. On uh, in the Spider-Man PS4 game, which you need to this if you ever needed a reason to get a PlayStation in your house, yeah. <laughs> that game is the reason. That, yeah, I've
2: only heard good things.
0: I've i only played. There's a rare times I play a game multiple uh, action game like that multiple times. I have played mm-hmm. that. This is my fifth time going, fourth or fifth time going in. That's awesome. <laughs> it, yeah, it is. Yeah. I mean, it's just the voice acting, the gameplay, everything. It's it's like one of the best video um video game adaptions since Batman uh, Arkham series just phenomenal yeah but uh if you noticed in there when he was designing the new suits that his new suit he prompted up a lot of the other prototypes that was there one of which I didn't see all of them but the one that really caught my eye immediately was the original Iron Spider prototype suit or the original Iron Spider suit from the comic book Civil War
2: Mm. yeah I I, I didn't see that like that clearly, but definitely thought like I you know, at some point I want to go back and look at that scene again to see there's there's got to be a lot of interesting stuff kind of buried in there.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. I I actually I uh, was pondering on actually going back to see it again in my in my neighborhood theater this mm. week to check it out so I could really know what all the other, well not just for that reason alone but <laughs> just so I could uh, see exactly what other suits there was because I saw that I that was like wow and I thought about like I do like the new. The, the the movie version a little better
3: mm-hmm. than the
0: original, but I would love to see how they would have made the that version of it come to life.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I thought that was just a really great homage to that. And then, of course, the fight scene. The yeah, fight, the fight scene to me with uh, between Mysterio and Spider Man to me is as far as Spider Man movies is the best fight scene since Spider Man Two with Doc Ock. Mm. I mean, once again, they managed to capture. All of the elements of which you read in the panels or the splash pages, and it just from a Spider-Man, uh, you know, action scene, and it just came to life in such a great way. And I haven't seen anything that matched up to the comic book feel since that fight with Doc Ock and Spider-Man and, and two. Mm-hmm. And it, and, not, and that's not taking anything away from other fight scenes, but I thought this was just very well done. It had a little Doctor Strange like psychedelic type of feel to it.
2: Yep. <laughs> yeah, I thought it was great. I thought that uh, you know the. the Thing that you're looking for, or I'm looking for, with with like a, a big kind of epic battle with Spider Man is you want it to be kind of an aerial battle. You want him to swing yeah. around and you know kind of use his powers. And I think sometimes it's hard to figure out how to, you know, design a, a situation that calls for that. Yeah. Um, and I thought they did a great job of like really. Um, especially when you know he's battling all the drones and everything. Like I thought they did a great job of creating an interesting context for him to use his powers. That, that was really cool.
0: I think you know you just made a great point too. That, that's another thing. It was different from all the other Spider-Man fight scenes that you've ever seen in other movies. Yeah. I mean, you still got a mix of Spider-Man swinging around, jumping around, reflexes, everything. You know, using the spider tingle, if you will. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But. They the bigger scene was the more epic scene was him actually having to try to figure out how to get through these illusions. Yeah, you know uh, that Beck was you know projecting to him, and it was just amazingly done. And the fact that they focused more on his spider sense this time around because they hinted on it on. I remember having this conversation with people at, um, in, uh, what was that, Civil War, whether mm-hmm. he was actually using spider sense or not, and he mm-hmm. he damn sure was, but it wasn't really shown out, and then somewhat in Homecoming too, but in this version they fully, it was part of the story. It was one of the main stories of this yeah. mo- of this movie right here. So, yeah. Yeah. I, I can't see and I, you know, luckily I, you know, talking to our ACMG Facebook group, I haven't heard one person say anything bad about this movie, especially Spider Man fans, not one thing. Not yeah. one darn thing. So that was awesome. So yeah. let's talk about the end credits, if you will. Oh, yeah. Because there were some things that happened on there that was just <laughs> outrageous. And, and some epic things that happened. Thank you, John, uh, John Watts, the director, for doing what he did bravely. And it was awesome. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about this briefly. Peter swings with Mary Jane in New York and interrupts, which is interrupted by, you know, breaking news. Before I even talk about the breaking news. Mary Jane, you can tell she's not our our old school Mary Jane from the 90s and 80s. Old school Mary Jane would have loved to ride and fly away and all that stuff. This one? Yeah. And I love her for it. This one was like, she was scared out of her ass swinging across New York. Yeah. And I love the way that they showed the velocity and speed of uh, how fast Spider was, uh, you know, Peter was going. To the point you can understand, you can empathize as to why she would never want to do that again. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So you got that. And then all of a sudden it ends off with them about to part ways. And then some breaking news come with none other than the return of J Jonah Jameson and not just anybody playing that role.
3: Yeah.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, it is reprised by none other than JK Simmons himself. I was one of the first people to start clapping hugely for this.
2: Yeah, me too.
0: I mean, this absolutely was awesome because not only was this a homage to him, this was a homage to the old Ramy movies themselves, mm. for to just to say how well that that movie did and how well he did in that movie, that spoke volumes. And I read, I just read an interview uh, with John Watch talking about how that occurred and how, you know, when contacted him saying that, you know, we want you back for the role. He's like, how the hell are you going to do this? It's two different, it's two different yeah. movies. And he explained how he was going to do it. And j- apparently JK was more than ready for it. He was more than happy for it. I love this, this, uh, MCU version of him. It looks the same. He has a balder head now, but he's still the same J Jonah. So it's like, yeah, it's like one of those things like in one of those movies, one of those deals where like in every universe, just always a different JJ. Yeah, but the, I think it's the same type of JJ, regardless yeah. of how he looks.
2: Yeah, he he's easily one of the like most perfect castings of all the supporting characters they've had over the years. Absolutely. And, you know, I struggled to think like, who would play that part better or, or, you know, who would be a better choice. And there is. <laughs> and then, yeah. And then they just kind of like slayed that dragon by, by just making it the same, you know, use the same actor, play the same part. I thought it, it was, I was genuinely surprised yeah. in a really, really like positive way. I thought it was awesome. Absolutely.
0: And not only, uh, j uh, apparently Watts said like, there was nobody else that he was thinking about doing this, but JK, awesome. he wanted him back. There was no discussion. There was no debate. He is. It it's going to be JK because JK is Jay Jonah Jameson.
3: Yeah, it was awesome
0: right there. So that just led to a fact that J. Uh, JJJ actually reported that Spider-Man was the cause of all of the, you know, terroristic acts in Paris, which yeah. did show video footage of him of, of a full, you know, Three, uh, 360 or 180 if you will of him saying that he you know uh executed all as if he was the one that was controlling the drones yeah and it made it seem like he killed mysterio so it you know mysterio left this nice little you know goodbye gift yeah to out yeah him, which begs the question is he still alive
2: Yeah, I mean, I think, yeah, I think that the – the it's interesting, though, that they created this kind of cliffhanger at the end and and kind of gave you that to kind of, you know, react to. I thought that was awesome.
0: Now, granted, Edith did say that there was no vital signs in him. Right. So who's to say, like, he didn't set it up to – you know, he still manipulated that system because he had it in it. I mean, they they can really write it anything at this point with that, but it was awesome to see, and now it just left this big, huge cliffhanger – to which we were asking the following
2: question, is there going to be another movie? Yeah. I got yeah. the answer. Oh, what do you got? Damn right. Oh, great. How, so what's the what's the situation? According
0: to the, that interview that I was just talking about on IGN. Yeah. .com, they, he they had the discussion talking about – it wasn't a question. They were just talking about what Peter is going to have to go through in the next movie. And I'm like, oh, so th- this is absolutely definite. <laughs> this is definitely going to happen. So, you know, John John basically said that, you know, he's going to have some ways with him because of the fact that in Iron Man, in the original Iron Man, Tony chose to tell his secret, whereas Spider-Man actually didn't get that opportunity. He had the worst luck. So mm-hmm. now he's going to have to figure out how to get through that mess during the third run, which is going to be interesting. And, again, this is going to lead to, like, who – the missing link of between this – the far from home and homecoming is who's going to be the next, you know, villain. Have you forgotten that, that Mac Gargan was in the movie, AKA oh, yeah, the yeah, Scorpion?
2: Yeah. <laughs> yeah was, I, I remember I just watched, rewatched um, homecoming recently and was reminded. Cause like the, 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 uh, whatever the, the AI that Peter's suit uses identified him. And I remember like, Oh, that was, I remember that Easter egg that that's who that was.
0: Yeah. So, I mean, I'm going forward a little bit through, but we'll get back to the second end credit scene. But with that said, if you remember that scene, he was trying to figure out who was Spider-Man. Right. Now we know everybody knows who Spider-Man is, including him. Yeah. And with J. Jonah Jameson in here, if you remember the origin of Spider-Man... You know it was it was Jay jonah Jameson that financed Scorpion to get that suit to um to be like the anti spider man hero mm. they can easily write that in if they wanted to I don't know if they will, but they can easily write that in
2: well i think if i don't if I remember correctly too at the the end credits scene of homecoming yeah was Michael keaton's character yeah. Yeah, yeah, I think like so. I was I was totally like blanking on where that occurred, but yeah, it I was think at the RAF, actually. Yep, yep. I think that's there's certainly an opportunity for for that to be you know another plot thread that they pull on if they do another one.
0: Which, by the way, I love who they chose to play the Scorpion, who is my, and I hope he does reprise the role because that, if you ever watch Breaking Bad, now, yeah, he's one of the characters from Breaking Bad, and he was uh, okay. vicious. I mean, he plays a very vicious villain or yeah. a bad guy or just a guy you just don't want to mess with <laughs> on yeah, that yeah. Show. so I'm like yeah and he he got the head shape for it and everything too yeah I thought that was awesome casting for that role right there so I mean last thing with that before we go into other predictions like we the second end credit scene had Nick Fury and Maria Hill be revealed as the scrolls Talos uh, Talos and his wife I forgot his yep. wife's name on uh Captain Marvel but they were the whole entire time pretending to be them yeah. to look after pete meanwhile yep. where is nick fury this yeah. dude is in space yeah and some like tropical type of holographic you know uh environment which by the way if i recall you you don't watch Agents of shield no no so for those who do and for those who don't on ages of shield the, the premise of ages of shield is that after the events of the avengers uh, Phil Coulson actually died, but then for somehow some way he came back to life, and that later on we re, it was revealed that it was due to some type of alien, you know, serum that he used, which was in ties with the Kree's and 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 such uh, stuff like that. So he wanted to come back to life, but in the midst of that, they called it Project Tahiti, mm. and Project Tahiti had well while he was coming back to life and not supposed to know that he would died. They never told him that he actually died. That he, they wiped that from his memory and said that he was on vacation. And he'd been to Tahiti the whole entire time. And every mm-hmm. time somebody mentioned Tahiti, he he all he kept saying, it was like, it's a magical place. Because they kind of imprinted this mindset in his head. So it was almost like hypnosis, really. Like every time you say Tahiti, that's how he responds. It's like gotcha. he was deep, deep, you know, deprogrammed, so mm-hmm. to speak. Mm-hmm. And Nick Fury has been on the show. Like Samuel L. Jackson has been on the show. He, oh, really? During, yeah. It was like the only like it really legitimized the show when he huh. was on air. That and the fact that they tied it with uh, the Winter Soldier. That was when that show really picked up. Gotcha. But the the end of that series showed Nick Fury, uh, making his known uh, appearance in there, mm-hmm. and him knowing about the Tahiti project. So I'm wondering if that was a little bit of a wink wink, Easter mm-hmm. egg to Ages of Shield and the Tahiti thing because Phil Coulson in the in the show actually recently last season died, legit. Mm. And um, his now love interest slash you know uh, partner and shield stayed with him till he died in the last days, and they actually went to Tahiti. So mm. that scene that she that scene that was shot looked a hell of a lot like that scene in Ages of Shield.
2: Okay.
0: And I love those type of tie ins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we see him in here. The holograph goes away. We still don't know where the hell Maria Hill is. <laughs> but he is in fact in a scroll ship in space. Yeah. This opened the floodgates to a lot of people wondering where this is going. And in particular, again, going back to the IGN interview, mm-hmm. I am not versed in the scrolls to that nature. I know of the scrolls, I'm a I'm well aware of the Super Scroll with the Fantastic Four. Yep. But somehow, some way the interviewer in IGN believes that he knows where that ship is going and where it is familiar and unfortunately to which john watts was like i cannot claim nor deny mm. anything i think this is going to lead into something bigger and we were talking about this recently but thinking like it was so open-ended and like where is this going and like stuff mm-hmm. like yeah they about to get they about to get real
3: <laughs> yeah
0: i think they're about to get really real here we still got like dr strange we got Panther 2 We got. Mm-hmm. Yep. I, I, don't we got another Captain Marvel coming, I believe.
2: Yeah, I think that's like the the slate of movies that have been confirmed. Or Doctor Strange to uh, Black Panther to Captain Marvel to now uh,
0: Spider Man. Another Spider Man is coming.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think that that seems possible. I, I was doing my own research, and it looks like like the there's even Tom Holland said something to the effect of like another movie coming out next year yeah. for Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at the same time, there hasn't been anything contractually figured out between Marvel and Sony. So there's still like a big dollar sign question yeah. hovering yeah. over this. So they haven't like, they have not yet like announced that there's going to be a third Spider-Man movie. It seems likely, but- But it like, coming it,
0: from John Watts himself?
2: I mean, but it, it, they, there's no deal in place for it. No, like, there's there,
0: no like, deal in place, but he's yeah. talking like it's happening.
2: Well, I mean, I'll believe, it when I, I'll believe it when the contract is signed. Because, like, right now, it's over. Like, there there's an article. I was looking at an article talking about Sony trying to make um, Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland instead of them being Marvel movies. God, that would be such a mistake. Yeah. Unless
0: they use the same cast
2: and crew. I mean, but even if they did, it's still going to be – it would be a shame if they went that path.
0: Because Sony like, just doesn't get it. When it comes nah. to live action, like, they got nah. – they had it gold when, when Sam Raimi did it and then they – didn't they didn't they lost hope in him the minute that he did three which i think three was three was not good no it was awful but they could have still did a four and and came back from
2: that yeah i mean i think i think at that point like they were running into the same issues that the spider-man series ran into which is like, Toby Maguire at that point is, like, 30 years old. But so wait, you
0: got to remember, though, and I, and I realize that, but he, you know, in the comics, he grows up and, you know, gets older, too, him and Kirsten Dunn. So, I mean, they could have factored that in.
2: Yeah, but I think that's when, like, the comics be- kind of lost their luster is when, like, it's kind of hard to relate to a 30-year-old <laughs> Peter Parker and his wife who's a supermodel. Like, I think it's... That that was like where the 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 road would become much harder for them to find a way to make so you that. So like, you
0: were you were against the MJ and uh Peter uh,
2: combo when they grew up? No, I mean I think it's just I wasn't against it, but I think when they when they rebooted everything for the Ultimate Universe, yeah, that's when it reminded me like this is this mm-hmm. is a more compelling story when it's Peter and this girl that he's in love with who's maybe, you know, not responding to it or kind of elusive. Like, right. it's it's hard to feel sympathy for a guy whose wife is like a supermodel soap opera actress. <laughs> like, he's not exactly an underdog at that point.
0: Well, he wasn't anymore. I mean, eventually he can't be an underdog for for long.
2: Yeah. I, I would but hope
0: that's... not. I would hope not you would be like Charlie Brown until like your 30s. <laughs>
2: But I think that's like – that's why these movies work is because they've returned Peter Parker to this very vulnerable like nothing goes this kid's way. As soon as he gets like a break, right. a bigger issue is dropped in his lap. you know No sooner does he go for this like big web-swinging ride with MJ, than his whole world is like demolished. Right. He can't – you know his secret identity is revealed. Like he's blamed for all this stuff like – when it comes down to it like that's to me the best peter parker is the one that just keeps getting like mercilessly punched in the face you know like and then and i think that's where a lot of people relate to that it's like you know this guy has awful luck like this is just like nothing goes this dude's way um but yeah i think that like it'll be interesting to see how they develop this over time because you know they've obviously added they've introduced the daily bugle like there's a chance now that you know peter could work there because it now has been introduced as an idea like there's a whole there's an angle for that that they can explore now that's really interesting but yeah to to get back to your previous question though like the only movies that are confirmed for sure are black Panther 2 doctor strange 2 guardians of galaxy guardians of galaxy 3 yep um the eternals and then shang chi the the master of kung fu movie and then black widow do we say black widow yes (laughs) well, we did so <laughs> a, Yeah, those are the ones that have, like, those are the confirmed, like, you know, they have release dates, they have, like, directors attached, they have, like, you know, they have a, a production schedule in place.
0: Yeah. I have not, that is based on, that uh, that new one, that, uh, for the Asian superhero, that, I've never read that one before.
2: No, nah, me neither. That's nah, a brand I, new one. Yeah, he's, I mean, why, well, I, I mean, the, the character exists, but it's new to me. Like, he's been around, he, I remember the, the Shang-Chi, uh entry in the what was the the official handbook for the marvel universe mm-hmm. like that old like um, oh the
0: one where, they, where every where they tell the bios of everybody yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. i can still, still have those like, actually
2: yeah i can still <laughs> picture shang chi from that so he's been around for Since some time 70s or, yeah yeah but i you know i think credit to marvel they trying to find like you know other characters to explore and another you know kind of concepts to to reinvigorate yeah um but yeah, I think what you were getting at was like there's like this kind of cosmic element to the Nick Fury Skrulls storyline. And I don't know. I don't know where that pays off. I don't know if that's like setting up this kind of bigger universe yeah. story so that the Eternals make sense sometime down the road. Cosby. Or right, you this remember, is like still
0: got the Fantastic Four now in the helm of uh, Disney and Marvel.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what like and Silver Surfer. I kind of feel like in a way I was intrigued by the whole Skrulls thing. But at the same time I also felt like this is like needlessly confusing. Like you know like this was a pretty straightforward movie for now you know Fury to have been replaced you know by Talos for a little while like I just for me it felt like there wasn't enough clarity in the the idea that they were kind of creating for it to feel like a really exciting easter egg. It felt more like just vague and and kind of I don't know, like too mysterious for it to be really exciting,
0: right? Well, I'll tell you this: I have no, I have no uh, problem with this, in and in a sense that we've all, even for Iron Man three, to what you know, to what most people say about that movie, mm-hmm. they did answer a lot of questions in the later movies in reference to that movie to make it like to legitimize what they were doing. So I wouldn't put it past them to do the same here, and yeah. their, with their track record. You know, if you uh, put, uh, you know, inhumans aside.
2: <laughs> yeah.
0: You know, you, I, I got to have more confidence to say that they, we'll figure out what's going on and it'll all make sense.
2: Yeah, I just I, I agree. I th- I'm sure it'll turn out great. I just think like when I think of like the the end credit scenes that really like made my jaw drop and they like. They more explicitly set up, like, be excited about this next thing that's about to happen. Like when Fury turns up at the end and says, you know, I want to talk to you about the Avengers initiative or like when Thanos turns up at the end of Avengers. It's like, like, holy crap, they're going to introduce Thanos or like, holy right. crap, they're going to introduce the Avengers. Like right. there's there's like one step further. They could have gone with this where it would have been like, whatever, they're going to introduce Adam Warlock or they're going to introduce right, the Eternals right. or whatever. Like, no, I agree. Just, there's like something there and I'm sure it'll turn into something, but I just wish it was like, like, holy crap, they're going to do like secret invasion next or whatever. Which so I a think a lot I, of
0: people are really thinking that's where it is heading.
2: I maybe, I mean, that would be a fun storyline to look at. I mean, that was certainly, you know, a real, and, 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 you know, they've done a lot of work just in this movie to show you how easy it is to go back and tap into like characters from previous movies, you know, all these you know, scientists that wind up being a part of Mysterio's crew, you could do something similar where it's like, you know, you could go all the way back to like Iron Man two and say like, Hey, you know, this character from Iron Man two was right. actually a scroll, you know, or, you know, this character from, you know, guardians of the first guardians kind of the like galaxy. They did with Hydra. Yeah, exactly. Like they could do this really interesting, um, you know, re- like a uh, revisionist history of those things that would be a fun story to do. But again, like I, I'm sure they'll do something interesting with it. it just, Felt like just give me like one, you know, gr- grain more of information and I would be like insanely excited. Now I'm just kind of curious. Yeah.
0: You know, speaking of uh, inhumans, I was really sad that that didn't work out.
2: <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you know, the, the only reason I was glad I, I, to, I have mixed feelings about it, but the only reason I was glad it didn't work out was it annoyed me at the time that Marvel Comics was trying to replace the X Men. Yeah, the mutants and the X-Men. There's no there's no way. You got there's too no many years. You like, got too
0: many great years on it, Dale, And in the depth of the storyline and, and and premise of X-Men cannot be denied.
2: No, like X-Men is is easily one of the more powerful like comic book concepts. They were the hottest in, thing in the nineties. Well <laughs> they're 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 fundamentally important to comic books generally speaking. In pop culture. Like, yeah. So like for them to feel like they could Replace them with something as lame as the Inhumans, which like, is,
0: which was never really ever really focused as much as they were or pushed harder as they did yeah. with the X Men. Never, ever. Yeah. It yeah. was and it was and that's the fault of their own because they never really made them feel as special.
2: Yeah. And then you know they make this deal with Fox where they don't own the rights to them anymore. Right. And and the logic was so flawed. Like the yeah. the logic was, we're going to replace the X Men with the Inhumans because we don't want. Our comic books to drive interest towards these characters we don't right. own the rights for, and there's being there's movies being made, and that's nonsense. The right. movies drive interest towards the comics. Well, can like, I also
0: mentioned too that their their marketing scheme of it kind of fell too in a sense that they put it in the IMAX theater. The first two yeah. hour, two hour movie into the IMAX theater, yeah. and didn't give it the IMAX quality or the movie quality that you would expect, and I think that to people really was a big letdown. Yeah. And then furthermore, because honestly, I watched this, I watched all the episodes, and most li- most likely because one of the actors I've actually interviewed on this show, and that oh, okay. was Mike, that was Mike Mo, who also is playing Bruce Lee in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, cool. So, and he looks just like Miss insane. He really does. Um, but he was playing, uh, he played one of the Inhumans in there that was, that was believed to be killed in like the first episode and we didn't see him until like last episode. I was like, okay, they went there with that. It was uh, mm. Trident, in fact. Mm. And it just, they, it went such a direction after a while. It was like, yeah, it was, uh, it was a lot of smoke and mirrors that didn't work. Yeah. With that Agreed. deal. So yeah, that was sad. But I mean, they got that one. They they got one flop on that one. They got one flop on Iron Fist. I still, with that said, it's 11 years of heavenly strong, you know, uh, movies and, yeah. and, and series. Yeah, I, I I'm looking forward to seeing what they're going to do next.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Nice. I think it's, there's a lot of hope that they can do interesting things now that they've, you know, reintroduced the idea that that the spider-man movies can be like bright and fun and you know still make sense in this big universe where things like Endgame can happen and i think that's the way that the comics work too you know like you can gravitate towards certain characters you can gravitate towards others they might all exist in the same shared universe but if you don't want the grim and grittiness of batman you can read the flash you know if you don't want the the kind of you know uh whatever, street-level kind of um, crime-fighting you get in, like, a Spider-Man, then you right. can go read, you know, Thor. Like, I think there's there's room to have all these different colors to paint with, and I think they're, they've at least reassured me, like, they they are going to make fun Marvel movies moving forward. They don't have to be, like, right. so emotional. It's, it's, it's everything so, is what yeah. we
0: are in this country, in this world, diverse.
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely.
0: It's funny you said that, too, because, you know, Jessica Jones' third season just came out, the final season, and uh, the yep. final Netflix Um, show of the series uh, showed. I absolutely loved it. I loved the way that they went around to it, but a lot of people didn't because Mm -hmm. you got people with the bang pal zoom mindset. Mm -hmm. And it was at that point I had to say, okay, you got to understand, you're not entitled to like every single thing that Marvel comes out with because in everything that they come out with may not be for your yeah. favor. This was geared to another direction, another type of genre of the yeah. comic book universe, yet still connected to the universe. But it's just, a, it's a whole nother thing, yeah. you know? And it worked for what it did in this case. But, you know, you got a lot of people that expect that everything needs to be, this person can fly, this person can knock somebody out in the door, this person can do this. They have to have action-packed scenes. Sometimes this was a this was a thriller. This was a... You know, a um, a more story developed, you know, type of uh, you know show, yeah. When it was actually action based. I mean, it had its action and everything, but at the same time, it's like you had to take it for what it was. And art doesn't have to be one thing. Art is a plethora of different and you know, an amalgamation, if you will, of different yep. you know genres and fills and mediums and such. So yep. you got once you brought yourself to that moment, you got you'll actually probably appreciate things in a different perspective. Yep. So last question that I have for you, and that is of all, now we talked about this. I'm not going to give you, you know, base. I'm going to give you the opportunity to base it on whether it's the best Marvel film or mm-hmm. not, or where does this land in the Marvel Cinematic Universe as far as the top ten, top five, what not. I'll say, as far as Spider-Man movies mm-hmm. is concerned, where does this, where does Far From Home place for you?
2: Uh, I, it's right up there. I mean, I think you know when I look at these movies, the Homecoming and Far From Home. Um, are two of my favorites easily. This is my favorite version of these characters. Um, Spider-Man 2, I think, is a real standout yeah. uh, with Dr. Still, Octopus. Still, still
0: holds up, too, by the
2: way. Yeah, yeah. I think it, it's really, it was really well done, and the performances are great. Oh, um, and then Into the Spider-Verse, you know, I don't know. I, we, we talked about this before. Like, It's almost like one with an asterisk next to it, because <laughs> it, it's probably my favorite, yeah. but it's hard to compare it apples to apples with... Yeah. Homecoming, or with you know, Far From Home. I think Just it's
0: by the the mediums of which it is that being live action versus animated.
2: Well, yeah, and there's like a whole different like scope that's available to you when you do an animated movie. You know, yeah. you can have you know an endless cast. You can have like things available to you, and I think frankly, you can paint, too, your
0: canvas is is damn near unlimited with possibilities yeah. of what you can do with it.
2: And I think it's hard for me to like compare a Miles Morales Spider-Man to a Peter Parker Spider-Man yeah. in a way too. Like I feel like it's easy to stack up you know three Peter Parkers against each other Andrew Garfield, Toby Maguire and yeah. Tom Holland and kind of you know choose which one you think is the best. I think when you look at like it was an animated movie, it's Miles Morales like the the protagonist is very different. Um it's it's almost in a category by itself. But yeah. I, if I had to rank them, I think Spider-Verse still comes in number 1 mm. and both of these um recent Spider-Man movies are are in my top 5 for sure. Absolutely.
0: I I'm going to agree with you on that. Um You know, had this been a, if I base this on live action only, Mm -hmm. Far From Home is going to be my number two with Spider-Man 2 being my number three. Uh, And that makes, you know, um, that makes Homecoming, I think Homecoming still to me is going to be my number one. From the, yeah. it's it's just by a hair though because this was really good this was a lot of fun this was yep. a great follow up but yeah. I think there was some great fundamentals to the first one that still holds up very strongly yeah with with me um but you know with that said Spider Man into the Spider Verse is my number one uh, because it was just such a great love letter to all of this yeah and Agreed. and not only just this the comic books the, just the fanfare it was I felt like it was just saying thank you. For all that, all the love that you gave, but also introducing us officially to to Miles Morales and shutting all haters down that this dude is here to stay. And he, what he got a he also has an Oscar in his hand. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> so, so, and I, all, unfortunately, that knocks out the original Spider-Man because that was number five in my top five list. So, which makes Captain America: Civil War number the new number five for this.
2: Yeah, so, I, I think that that's. I agree. I feel like I don't think of Civil War as a Spider-Man movie off the top of my head. If but you could
0: cut that, if you could just cut the fifteen minutes and sixty-two seconds of that scene, yeah. the, it was at one point said to be the best Spider-Man movie ever until the other two came out.
2: No, I agree entirely. Three. Yeah, I think that like the amount of ground they cover in as short an amount of time in that movie is really kind of amazing. Like they, they really do develop that character out of nothing yeah. like incredibly rapidly and, and really successfully. I, I would agree. I think that's probably in my top five as well.
0: Yeah. So i would look forward to seeing if, you know, when the dotted lines is signed and mm-hmm. we do get a third one and it, it I gotta be foolish for them not to do it, but you know,
3: mm-hmm.
0: we'll see. I got high hopes on this one after, especially after reading that it, God, Sony, I w- if anything, I would blame Sony for that for yeah. it's not happening. But it's yeah. it's got to happen. Like, they Just collect the money. Just take the day money. <laughs> yeah. Take yeah. the box office money, man. So, yeah. folks, that will do it for this edition of ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. Joe, thank you so very much again for being a part of the show. You are always a hell of a lot of fun to be, uh, talk to in, this, in these uh, very important matters.
2: <laughs> <We> thank you, just- <laughs> Dax. It's awesome to be a part of it. I appreciate you including me, man.
0: Not a problem. I did, we did talk about it. We're actually going to have you back on, you know, down the line hopefully very soon talking about some comic book uh, discussions and yeah. such. And because there's some things that, you know, based upon these movies that these subjects I want to definitely bring up, and I think it needs to be talked about. And this, yeah. this is the perfect platform to do it. So, uh, man, what's up with you next? What's going on with you next? I mean, like, you're got you you're, you're sports-centric, so what's yeah. going on in your world?
2: No, I mean, I, I am probably watching what's happened in the NBA more actively than anything <laughs> else over the past week, the whole, like, complexion of the nba has changed entirely so i'm really excited about um all the offseason stuff and i and i i just i like watch it mercilessly and i keep track of all of it so yeah i'm looking forward to seeing what the sixers can do next year that's that's you know if there was like a one one a 1-1-A of my interest the the sixers are probably right up there with everything else awesome so yeah
0: all right, look forward to hearing more about that as well. Yep. So, man, thanks so much. Guys, stay tuned for this week. We are going to have Select Start video game podcast. A lot of news coming in again. And uh, we're counting down to Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 coming in the Nintendo Switch. I cannot wait for that. Um, Joe, if you haven't played that, uh, you don't, none of your kids on a Nintendo Switch, do they?
2: No, no, we just have the Xbox.
0: Yeah, you better not tell them about that. But yeah. <laughs> So no. it's, a, it's a new Marvel game coming out, and it's like much anticipated. It's coming out in like two weeks. So, this is going to be huge. I'm already hyping it up right now. And uh, I'm looking forward to talking about it. So, we got some news to talk about this week. And God knows what else we're going to talk about next Sunday. So, stay tuned for all that and much more. So, again, thanks again to Joe for being on the show. On behalf of myself and Mighty Joe Rinaldi, all I got to say is learn to let go, live life, and love all things anime, comics, movies, and games. This is ACMG Presents Talk Time Live. We are out of here. Take care and talk to you on the select start.